Hi, my name is Tracy G and I'm an inner work coach, NLP trainer and podcaster extraordinaire. Passionate about equality and a world that is more diverse and inclusive, giving each and every one of us the opportunity to be the best version of ourselves. As a biracial woman, I've experienced my fair share of discrimination in the past and come out on top. We all know that discrimination and bias still exists in the world today, and it's not always easy to know what to do about it. This podcast, All One Inclusive, is about celebrating all diversity and being proud of all that you are. I chat with inspiring guests and my friends as we share stories from news sources and listeners from all over the world who have experienced some form of discrimination firsthand. The aim is for us to be able to discuss this issue more openly so it becomes better understood by all and provide tips about what you can do to make a difference. The world may have a lot of catching up to do, but if we can imagine a more equal world, we can create change step by step, ripple by ripple. Hello, beautiful. You're looking fabulous. <laughs> Happy Hope <Hope's> Day. <laughs> Hi, how are you? I'm wonderful. You're looking really lovely. Good. Thank you so much for um for complimenting me. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. And so is there a particular reason you look so lovely? Okay, you're gonna force it out on me. Yes, yeah, so I managed to I've as a as you know, I've been getting back onto the dating scene, the online dating scene. And um yes, there's a date coming up um later today so um thought i'd make an effort first impressions count oh and yeah we'll see how it goes maybe maybe i'll give you an update in the next episode maybe i would be liking to hear that one (laughs) okay well what are we uh, discussing today tracy well uh oh yes it's me well um pick the story because actually I just didn't even know this this was a practice that still happened so a few weeks ago or like quite a few weeks ago like a month ago even there's a story that in the UK um, a new law to ban all forms of conversion therapy in England and Wales we include practices aimed at transgender people so first of all I didn't even realize this still this was still a thing conversion therapy and essentially what it is is it's its purpose is to fix people who are identify as homosexual sounds very medieval um, medieval yes and actually if you, I don't know if you've seen that film I can't remember the name of the film with like what's his name humperback or humperdink or what's his name Oh, Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah, that one. No. <laughs> Benedict I'm, Cumberbatch. I'm, I'm, I'm what they call a Cumberbitch. Oh, are you? Yeah, but his fans, his right. fans are called Cumberbitches. Wow. Okay. 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 Well, I'm obviously not a fan because I can't even get his name right, but okay. <laughs> um, he's in a movie where he's really like a genius and he's decoding. I can't remember if it was Enigma or something. Decoding yes. in the Second World War. What's that movie called? I, I, it might actually be called Enigma. Enigma. Well, yeah. So, you know, he in that he is homosexual. And at the end, I think he goes, he gets charged. He gets for indecency. And then what was part of the law then was they would, it was like chemical castration. Wow. What they did to fix you was specifically men from this whatever just not you the, the crime but you know to to fix your homosexuality and I just thought that was such a horrendous part of history but yeah it happened which, then which era was this film setting was it 1950s 1960s well whenever the movie was, was you know I, think it was the second I, mean, I haven't movie. watched a movie but I remember seeing the trailer and I I think maybe it's around 40s 50s 60s and you know it's uh it's it's quite surprising, really, that, that that the attitude was still as as it was back then, and uh, we and we've come so far. So um... yeah, it's really scary to think that that's they used to do that to people. It's so in, inhumane. 
So anyway, the fact that something still happens, and I can imagine it's more, I don't know, I absolutely don't know, but I, I'm guessing it's around changing your thinking and changing your attraction to the same sex through the types of strategies I would use in coaching to help people change their thinking towards things that aren't working for them. For example, overeating, emotional eating, smoking, whatever, or so, behavior. So this is a so this conversion therapy in the UK that's been happening mm. has um so it's been operating on a psychological level. I'm I think it's I honestly don't know 100 percent because I just don't know, don't know enough about it. But I've seen like documentaries where I remember seeing a documentary once. I think it was that Louis Thoreau. He's really yes. fantastic. Um, where they talk about what they do, or it was it was all about, yeah, conversion therapy. So, but it was years ago. So that's why I mean, I was really surprised it was still a thing. Um, where it's a lot of psychological things they do. Yes. Yeah, it must be, um, it must be quite underground because obviously the ethics around this. Um, because either, and, and it'd be interesting to to kind of know uh, about is it is it individuals who are who are seeking this conversion therapy themselves because they're struggling um with with their identity or would it be the families and and um friends that put this individual's name forward for therapy well this and the, i remember the documentary it was a it was both and it was a lot a very very big in the religious communities right. where it was seen as a sin and you know an abomination and all this kind of thing yeah, I understand um, that part of things because I know with the Indian community, there's a lot of woo-woo uh, rituals which um, which are part of what's claimed to be the religion, um, which is a shame, really, because there's um, there's nothing written in Vedic scripture around that. Mm. Um, Hinduism here, um, but um, but yeah, there's a there's even to this day there's still woo-woo style practices that um, uh, yeah that are mm. uh, that are given validity under religion, and that's not that's not exactly right. No. Well, anyway, I should maybe read some of this. So it says mm. a new law to ban all forms of conversion therapy in England and Wales. That was a story in itself, but yeah. the fact that it includes um, practices aims at transgender people. I didn't realize that was a distinction, but obviously it is. So the ban will outlaw attempts to change someone's sexuality or gender identity, which is wonderful. Mental health groups have warned all types of conversion therapy are unethical and potentially harmful. The government had previously said transgender conversion therapy would not be included in the ban, but obviously they've changed their minds. So the, that was mainly what they're doing. Um, and then there is what is conversion therapy? What is conversion therapy? Oh, what does it say? What's the definition? Let me just quickly have a look what it says. Ah, oh, because that's another story. According to the British according to the British Psychological Society, conversion therapy, sometimes called reparative reparative, like a repairing something, therapy or gay cure therapy, tries to change someone's sexual orientation or gender identity. In practice, it means trying to stop or suppress someone from being gay or from identifying as a different gender to their sex recorded at birth. It can include talking therapies mm -hmm. and prayer, but more extreme forms include exorcism, physical violence and food deprivation. Wow. The British Psychological that Society. That physical side is basically torture through, yeah, it's basically changing, changing your mind through, through torture. Pretty much. Well, it's probably, well, what I would call negative anchor. So it's probably when you get a thought or an urge, you're going to get that kind of torture, basically. Yeah. Therapy, basically. So, yeah, yeah, it's really bad. So then every, so even when you leave, if you have that urge or thing, you're going to, it's going to associate it with that that treatment that pain anyway um the british psychological horrendous. oh it's horrendous <laughs> it's like, like that you're allowed to do that but then some people put themselves through that intentionally that's why i was asking that's what i was asking about it'd be interesting to see like if there were individuals who actually put themselves through this yeah. they absolutely do i know this is not um 
it's not a fact-based TV program, but I watched and um, I love this. I love the show. Call the Midwife. I don't know if you've ever watched it. I love the show. It's a type of show where it's like it's Sunday afternoon and you just want to chill or you're getting over a hangover. You switch the TV on and boom, it's basically you it's... fall into Call the Midwife. I love it. it. It's just, uh, and you just can't be bothered to turn the channel over. So. Well, I just love it. I would intentionally watch it. But anyway, <laughs> there was an episode similarly where man put himself through it. And it was because... Main, the, his motives were being driven by society. You know, it was actually illegal for a start to be gay um, in that time when they were in that time of the story. And his parents were not approving. You know, society obviously wasn't approving. The law wasn't approving. Um, and so he really believed there was something wrong with him. And I think that the time that you were mentioning, it actually, I think it's at the same time as Benedict Cumberbatch's um, Enigma happened so yeah yeah at the same time so yeah so there were people putting themselves through that and I I imagine even today people still do because of those kind of societal pressures even though it's it's not an illegal thing now Um, it is a shame that because it's it's a shame because there are support groups there is help for people individuals struggling with this and like compared to you know, the uh, back in the 1920s, 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s, and dare I say even 70s, you know, there wasn't there wasn't that much support out there. Mm-hmm. And and now there are there are so many groups out there where there is help for individuals. And it's such a shame that an individual would feel the need to put themselves through this level of extreme torture as opposed to reaching out for for help with a support group who are going to be there for them. Yeah. And you can understand how people find themselves in that situation where their culture or their society or their beliefs fundamentally um, disagree with how they behave. You don't have to um, identify as, as gay to understand how that might feel because a lot of cultures play out how you should behave if you belong to this culture. Mm. And that's so you can also understand why people will put themselves through that if they buy into that, which a lot of people do because they want to feel like they belong and they don't want to be rejected by the culture or the society. So you can kind of can't really identify with that feeling mm-hmm. to kind of understand why someone might choose that path. Yeah. Um, there is always support. There is always support. There is always support, absolutely. So, and then what was interesting was for me is why weren't trans people covered by earlier versions? So what it says. Yeah, that was so strange when you when you were reading that out, Tracy. I was thinking about why why has the government made um a distinction there and then backtracked? Well, it says the government previously said banning conversion therapy practice related to gender identity was complex, required further work. It warned of unintended consequences which might affect teachers, parents, and therapists helping children. Who are struggling with their gender identity. Okay, I understand what we're saying now, yeah, because I there's do. there's always been this, I think there's an ongoing um, discussion around about what age um, do you, are you, what age, what age are you able to identify as, you know, being ready to go through your trans journey? So I know there's been, there's been lots of documentaries, um, there's been lots of coverage around uh, children as young as five or six and voicing that that they don't feel comfortable in their body but there's been uh, the actual physical help has been um have been paused until they come of age and whether or not that's ethical or not and what and, and at what age is coming of age is it 16 is it 18 is it 21 mm. 30 yeah see i still don't understand why you would ban the the practice of conversion therapy I, don't, I mean why you would exclude them even with that I don't I don't maybe I'm just missing something how does that connect couple, some people would argue oh in a couple of years time that that, that six-year-old won't be feeling like this I get so, that but what's that got to do with conversion therapy so with conversion therapy, you know how the article was saying about oh um about about children and how um how there may be repercussions or consequences. 
mm. around around children, for example. That's well, I suppose what I'm trying to um, trying to describe is that that's one of the consequences that could come up, whereby if there's a six year old and and they express that um, they're uncomfortable in their body, in their own body. If they start conversion therapy at six years old, how do we know that if in a few years time when they're a little bit older, let's say nine years old, they may not have those feelings of being uncomfortable in that in their own body? Yeah, I get that. But why would you not ban conversion therapy? Because conversion therapy is different from changing your sex because you feel like a different gender. Yeah. So this article was saying, sorry, I think I'm a bit confused. This article yeah. was saying that, that conversion therapy was to be banned. Yes. Yeah, for, for, for children. That's correct, right? Well, that- they that it was saying the reason they didn't include transgender people yeah. was because of the complexity. And then they talk about children and teachers and blah, blah, blah. But I don't understand what the complexity is, even given what you're saying, like maybe someone thinks this and they get a bit older and they change their mind. That's yeah. fine. But what's that got to do with banning, not banning conversion therapy, which would be to suppress their urges, basically? So the government is saying that they're, they're banning conversion therapy for that reason, for the reason to allow time to distinguish whether or not a person is going to be changing their mind or not. If conversion therapy was allowed for children then it wouldn't then you know it would um it wouldn't allow that that option that that but it shouldn't be allowed for children anyway even if it was legal well that's the whole that's the whole point yeah i'm not really sure i understand that still but anyway anyway yeah the point is they are banning it yes oh but guess how common it is are you curious um so fa- religious i think this is more appropriate for religious communities well this, this is what it says how widespread is the practice right. and the thing is there's no standard legal definition and victims may be reluctant to share their experiences so and, and that's and that, the same with all stats but that also comes down to community so community slash religion religious communities like this this um, conversion therapy sounds very much the practice um which probably happens more likely in um in religious communities rather than in alternative therapy communities well this and is so, this is in here do you want to, do you want to tell you what it says yeah, oh, yeah, yeah about these communities yeah so it says obviously all statistics are underreported because there'll be people that have, haven't been captured um but anyway it says about five percent of the hundred and eight thousand people who responded to the survey Mm-hmm. said they had been offered some form of conversion therapy so five percent while two percent had actually undergone gone it and those from ethnic minority backgrounds were more likely to be affected as were people with religious faith bingo there we go there you go so about ten percent has been backed by the research yeah about ten percent of christian respondents and twenty percent of muslims said they had undergone or been offered conversion therapy compared to 6% of those with no religious background. And, and, that, and that kind of makes sense. That kind of is logical because as, as we were saying earlier about, um, you know, these, these small communities, they can be very mm. closed. And even though there's support out there, like you were saying, Tracy, there's there's pressure to be, to conform and to pressure to, to have a, that feeling of belonging. And so, and if it's a very closed community that that's happening in, you're not going to see, or you're not going to pay much attention to, to the outside support groups that are there to help. Yeah. So, yeah, so now it's just a matter of each, you know, like Northern Ireland having to pass a similar thing. Um, and then obviously religious, it seems to be the only groups that are opposed to this are religious groups, mm. which doesn't surprise me. So there's that. And then the other thing is that Australia seems to be stepping up and do the same thing um, because that recently made the news where Australia, the, as, at least specifically New South Wales, because remember we've got state governments, yeah. things happening here, also are saying to ban this. And there's this particular story about a guy called Chris who um, has tried a variety of gay conversion practices from the age of 16 years old. Okay, well, isn't that, that's an answer in itself. If you've tried several conversion therapies and they are not working, then surely that's a sign in like, mate, 
give it up, accept who you are, mm. and live your life. Surely, oh, yeah. He's obviously grew up in Christian faith, believing in God, and he and he believed he needed to be fixed. Um, he was told that God had not made him that way, and there was a negative cause to his homosexuality. And he was here, he was broken, he needed to be fixed. So since the age of 16, he's attempted to heal his sexuality, including taking part in prayers, exorcisms, Christian counseling aimed at addressing the causes of his orientation, as well as suppression and abstinence. And seven years after that, can you imagine what it was like? He struggled to heal from the damage caused by conversion therapies for more than a decade. That's it's very sad but he has gone on to co-found a conversion therapy survivors group which is beautiful it's now welcoming the support of major parties and then the premier dominic perrote on friday gave the reform in principle in principles it's not actually happened um backing on the first day of sydney world pride he's saying there's no room for harmful practices blah, 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 and he's saying, when the parliament returns, my government will provide in principle support for legislation that brings an end to any harmful practices. Um, and he talks about it being complex. But it's, so it's not an absolute thing, but at least a conversation's happening. Hmm. And that's pretty much it. Um, yeah. So hopefully Australia will follow suit. Yeah, well, that should be good. I mean, I haven't actually heard any cases of conversion therapy in New South Wales, but then again, I'm not in that community, so I may not necessarily be exposed to a lot of this, a lot of the, the news around this. Well, you know, um, well, he's from New South Wales. He's from Sydney. This guy, so it happens. Oh yeah, um, yeah. I'm not. I'm not debating that it doesn't happen. Yeah, it's 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 sad. So I know it's sad. It's, so sad. it's sad to hear obviously this, this gentleman's story and um, that he went through years of trying different variations of conversion therapy. But it's it's really it's really warming, heartwarming to hear that from his struggles, he's managed to reflect on these struggles and then turn it around and obviously co-found a community where where he can now share his experience and support and hear of other experiences very similar to what he has gone through and it is a very individual experience because like mm. i said you know we don't we don't often hear about conversion therapy whether whether you you, you live in new south wales adelaide melbourne or mm. elsewhere you know well, this is all are deemed as medieval yeah um and we already talked about the festival um celebrating lgbtq plus pride already kicked off uh, and accused of a human rights conference which i keep remembering to talk to you about uh, march across sydney harbour bridge on the 5th of march i won't be here but never mind that is tipped to attract half a million people wow that's amazing okay anything else you want to say about that no, but it's really interesting because, um, you know, if it, if you hadn't raised this article, um, you know, I wouldn't even had thought the idea of conversion therapy. So it's great that, you know, we're introducing um, these these new topics that we wouldn't necessarily always think about or even thought to think they are still in practice today. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah and I mean, yeah, it's just... It's just something you didn't realise goes on. But I guess if you're not closely linked to the LGBTQ plus community, so if you don't have friends or family part of that community, then potentially you'd know less about it. I mean, like me. You know, I actually, I'm not saying I don't, I don't have gay friends, but it's not something that ever comes up. It's just horrendous to think that it's okay to do that. But let's just hope that, that we don't need to be talking about this, that convert something such as a topic such as conversion therapy will be a thing of the past true 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 yeah. all right but yeah and so i know i know we talked about it because of obviously it's world pride day it's a massive stage so another big stage that happened this week was the super bowl 
And I never watch it, but there's always hype, right? Yeah, I, I'm not into American football, to be honest with you. I don't even know which teams played. Or the only thing I really know about um, American football is um, Tom Brady, because he's of, um, Tom Brady, he actually follows a spiritual path. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's how I know of him. And I've, uh, I've definitely, I've heard lots of, um, I've heard his conversations in documentaries that he's had when he mm-hmm. talks about his spiritual path. So and and he is the one of he is the greatest American footballer of all time apparently apparently okay so I don't know much about American football but um I what I do know is that um the, uh, with American football what happens February every year is that um they have half time and in these I think it's about thirty minute or forty minute segment they basically have adverts they have entertainment and the companies that are able to buy the advertising time in that 40 minute segment they have massive returns on investment so uh, and they also basically um with the advertisements in that 40 minute period they basically um they call in uh other celebs or famous faces famous names and um and yeah they basically just kind of make fun of a particular product just to get it out there but in this year's um, or in this in last week's performance, it was held by um, Rihanna, and who Rihanna hadn't performed on stage for about six years, I believe, and she definitely made headlines. <clears throat> Hence, I thought, and I thought it'd be relevant for for this podcast. Um, the article that I'm choosing to sorry, keep going. Okay, <laughs> all right. So the so so the Super Bowl um, this year, um, its halftime entertainer was Rihanna, and um, Rihanna made um, made the headlines, um, especially after this was the first performance after six years. The article that I'm reading from is The Guardian, and the headline that The Guardian chose to go with is "All Hail Rihanna for Turning a Super Bowl Performance into the Greatest Pregnancy Reveal Yet." So I'll I'll read on. Enforcing her audience to confront her physical reality, the pop star took ownership of her body and she did it in real time. Here was a woman returning to work for the first time since having a baby, somehow converting this moment into a tightly controlled but highly visible moment while putting paid to the difficult second pregnancy reveal. Enforcing her audience to confront her physical reality, Rihanna went past making a fashion statement. She took ownership of her body and she did it in real time. So what that's basically um, describing is um, Rihanna's performance where she came on, she came on to, it wasn't a stage, it was actually a platform which was elevated off the ground. And it was way up in the air as her performance went on. And as her performance went on, she actually revealed that she was pregnant with her second baby. And it was a very powerful performance um, because um, it was quite it was quite a uh, it's quite a performance in itself because she's actually she's actually entertaining. But she's also on on a platform which is suspended in the air. And it was a great I suppose it was a great example of Rihanna showing that, you know, as a woman, she can still do her day job. And she can still be pregnant and have a baby at the same time. And, you know, it doesn't it's, it doesn't impact her owning that show and basically just showing that she's a, she's a superstar, that she is. Mm. The article went on to say uh, the Daily Mail called her shameless. Everyone else called her a pregnant businesswoman. So, uh, so yeah, so it's basically, this article is, is basically about how, you know, whereas there may be women in the workplace who are either being, you know, who feel pressurized to maybe step down because of their pregnancy, or there may be obstacles um, whereby they can't do their work to the best of their abilities. But here's Rihanna, and she doesn't, she's basically showing, um, she, she's showing us, reminding us actually, that it doesn't matter whether you're pregnant um, or uh, not. It's like you can simply do your day job, and you're going to be uh, doing. You're going to be, you know, you're going to you're, you're going to have a superstar performance of it. So she didn't blink an eyelash. She was pregnant or not, she just put it out there, and it did not impact her performance one bit. 
and oh, uh, it's, she gained a lot of respect um obviously aside from the daily mail yeah like the daily mail i haven't put that up there as one of the most you know valuable um quality tabloids uh, so but i will always be curious about what what kind of things they say in any case I, I actually when you're talking about the story and what i'm taking away from that is when we talk we talked in the past about mothers in the workplace mm-hmm. and the types of bias and and i mean unconscious as well like we talked about Jacinda Ardern. Why didn't you know that? Oh, why didn't she should have declared her pregnancy? Why? Um, she can work. Um, she's entitled to, you know, parental leave as any man would be as well. Um, and usually, I mean, in today's workforce, usually the man and the woman have the same options to take a length of time off work. It's not specific to women. Like they don't get longer necessarily. A man could take just as much time if he chose. Um, to want to be at home with his, you know, new child or whatever. So to to think specifically that a woman who's having a baby versus a man who's also having a baby, to treat them differently in the workplace environment is a bias. Um, and I was thinking, you were talking about, you know, you can still be pregnant, be having a baby and do your day job. But I was thinking more of along the lines of you can still go for that next amazing project you know you can still climb the career ladder if that's what you want to do and be pregnant and take a bit of a break or whatever I think that's more the message I got that she's sending out there but also I mean I didn't watch it so I don't know but it seems to me that she's not making a big deal out of the fact that she's pregnant she's just turning up that's it. And that's what this, for me, the message about this article and the performance, because because I did watch the performance live, was that it was for me, I would describe it as a no exceptions performance. And what I mean by that is that Rihanna turned up after six years. Um, she was she was she was going through a second pregnancy. She'd obviously been invited or been asked to perform at, at this halftime show. She didn't say no because she was pregnant. Um, it was like, okay, well, she hasn't been there, she hasn't been on stage for six years. Um, this is a great performance time. And so she said yes to it, regardless of whether or not she was pregnant or not. And then not only did she um not only did she say yes to that, but she also she, she didn't just stand on the stage. The actual performance was she was she's on a she's on a um on a it looked like a steel platform which was held together by these four wires on each corner. And then she had a hook at the back of her dress or jacket, which harnessed her to the platform. And then as she was singing, it slowly raised up to the top of the stadium. So, and then it also went down, it went a a few times. Mm. But also watching the performance, um, I've seen Rihanna's videos. And so some of the dance moves are, you know, um, are quite famous. And you could see that because she was quite heavily pregnant, she wasn't able to physically get into those positions, into those dance positions. But she did something as an alternative to protect her baby bump and also still obviously give a kick-ass performance. So for me, that was why it was a no exceptions performance. She works within the limitations because there's there's no arguing there's limitations when you're pregnant physically. Yeah, there's no arguments about that, but you can still work within them or work around them Um, and rather than not doing anything at all, rather than not not turning up to work if you want to, not taking a promotion if you want to, or, you know, there's there's always another another way. And the fact is, you know, so many people have babies and kind of always find a way. Mm. Yeah, I like that. I like that. And actually, I heard news around it, like on the radio, I heard stuff. And I heard that she, one was afraid of heights. So that was extra special. And I also heard that none, nobody in her crew, like her dancers, her, her um, what do you call the manager? Yeah, yeah uh, agent, her agent or whatever, manager. He didn't even know she was pregnant. She'd been hiding it the whole time. Right, I see. I yes, but she's been very kind of undercover. I mean, there must have been, there must have been rehearsals, um, but, um, and maybe that's when they found out. But you could definitely see that, yeah, you know, she, she'd made, she'd obviously made, um, she had to make, 
slight differences to a dance routine but even then the dance routine still looked so good so um yeah yeah so that's why I thought it'd, it'd be worthwhile sharing yeah that's beautiful thank you I like that it's awesome I like the story all right Rihanna I didn't even know she was still going but like you said six years just the first performance I mean they probably probably paid well I'd be like yeah that's a college fund yeah. child number two but also with her it's it's that song that the umbrella Ella 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 song I mean when she sang that you, know, you can see once you bring that on to it doesn't matter whether or not you've you've been performing for 20 years or 40 years if you get Rihanna on stage and she sings Ella 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 you're gonna you're gonna get your money's worth yeah cool awesome all right, time for what would you do? We'll have to just come up with our own little tune, reproduce it. <laughs> we could do a reggae version. What would a reggae version sound like? Oh, uh, I'm, uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm not. Oh, silly girl. I was like, what, okay, words, what, you what would you do? Come on, hit me with it. What have you got? All right, I've got, um, so yeah, yeah. All right, so what would you do? So this is in the in the context of hiring in the workplace again. Yeah. So you're hiring, you you've got the candidates, and you your one of your colleagues says, This guy's gonna be great, he's got so much potential. And then you've got but this woman over this woman who has proven experience in the role that you're recruiting for. Mm-hmm. So he's advocating for the Man with potential over the woman with experience. Does it matter? What would you What would you do? I would look up a bigger picture in that scenario mm-hmm. of a man with strong potential versus a woman with proven experience. Because if there's a suggestion that the man should be hired, I'd be looking at a bigger picture in terms of, okay, on what basis, like what potential would the man be bringing to the role which this lady has not yet proven? That's not the context. The context is he's never done the role, but he's got potential to do the role and she's done the role. Oh, right. Okay. All right. All right. I see. I see. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Well, in that case, it would be a case of, well, why, why would we like, if it ain't broke, why fix it? Hmm. Why would you, why would you want to, why are we looking at, um, why, why are we looking at replacing a woman who's done um, a fabulous job so far. She's, you know, she's obviously proven herself and her skill set in this role. Oh, it's not the same role. It's more like she's got, maybe she came from another company doing the same job. So they're both going for the same job. Well, right. I see. Okay. 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 Right. Oh, okay. And this guy's not done the job, but he's got potential. This woman's done the job. Yeah. Got experience. Okay, again, again, that would be a bigger picture for me. So I'd be asking, okay, well, is it going to save us time and money? Um, if we're looking to save time and money, then that's great. Let's go for a woman. Because you know what? She can, it's hit the ground running. We don't, we don't have to worry about that. She's proven the skill set. She can, she can implicate um, uh, ideas and solutions and work practices, which she's clearly had success with previously. We don't have to worry about that. We're saving time and money. Whereas if we select the man, then we're going to be, it's more of, it's seen more as, as an investment. Like, what are we, are we looking to mold somebody in this role? Are we, you know, why would we be looking to put, um, invest more time and money into the, into the option with the person who happens to be a male in this option? So I'm not sure, Tracy, if this is actually a gender led query or situation, should I say? Because it could, let's turn it around and say, well, if there's, an, if there's a position and there's a woman with strong potential and a man who's got proven experience, I would also be saying the same thing. Let's look at the bigger picture. Okay. Well, what, in, what, in what context would you pick somebody with potential over somebody with the actual experience? In, in a case whereby if I had, if I, if I was in a business where the business was, was, the business was looking to invest time and energy and money into, into a role whereby they wanted either some more input into the role, they wanted a change of direction in that role, or they wanted a new fresh pair of eyes, then it would be worthwhile seriously considering the person in this, in this situation, the male. Whereas a person who's who's proven to do the role in an, in another space but has applied for this position, I'd be thinking, okay, well, if I don't have 
if I don't have time and money, you know, I've got I've got another area of business which I want to focus on. This woman who's got the proven experience would be ideal because they can see I can simply put her in the role and she can run with it. I can trust her. I can just basically just leave her leave her to it because it's proven. Whereas a, someone who has who hasn't done a role but they have potential, you don't know what they're going to bring. You don't know how the dynamic of what they bring is going to alter all the other divisions in your organization. You don't even know which direction they're going to take, what kind of approach you're going to take, and that takes a lot of um, a lot of I suppose that time and energy, and also also you're sacrificing money in that. And so you know it's more of a sacrifice. And if you've got time and energy. And that's where you you want your company to be heading. Then yes, it's worthwhile seriously considering the male with the potential. But if you don't, if you want to save time and money, and and you want to invest in other parts of your business, then but it's a it's it's a no brainer to get somebody who's done a role before and has got proven proven success in that role and who's interested. Mm. So it's so for me, it's not it's not gender driven because let's say we took if I turn it around like I often do in these scenarios where I'm thinking, okay, well if that was a woman in the man's position. And vice versa, I would still be saying the same thing. Mm. Okay, that's that's interesting. So if I'm thinking, I've not read the answers yet. So I'm thinking I'm hiring someone. Usually, unless it's a junior role, it's for me the only reason you would hire someone with potential is if it's a junior role, um, and as part of a promotion, right? And this is no, this is not promotion. So that would be for me. That would be the only circumstances where I'd hire someone with potential if it's a role where I want them to know what they're doing without because if you hire someone potential it's a lot of like you say time money energy get you because you still have to train them I mean you have to train everyone but you still have to train them and a lot of hand-holding if they've never done the job before versus I need somebody who can do this job this person's got experience they're interested this person's got potential and they're interested to me it's a no-brainer you choose the person with experience not with potential unless it's a junior role, because they're both going to bring fresh pair of eyes, regardless of potential or experience, because it's a different job. It's a, you know, it's a more higher job or whatever. So I don't, be, I don't, go on. Sorry, Tristan, but it could be, I mean, I know you mentioned about, oh, it's, 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 it's applicable to a junior position, but maybe not. Let's say I've been in lots of positions where, or lots of companies I've been in where they've, they've needed a head of a head of a division, you know, which includes, you know, that's executive leadership level. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and there has been lots of times when there's been external candidates who who may not necessarily have have led a division, but have had experience in leading and managing teams. Yeah, I get that. Their next step up, but then there's also um, interest from other divisions of different companies, whereby it would be a sidestep, but it's a different industry. So it's like so they don't. So in that example, mm. which I'm trying to be, so that's how I'm looking at it. Is that it's somebody who has got potential, who's who's probably ready for that. For that yeah, I get, I get it. Your situation's right as well. I'm not saying you're wrong. What I'm yeah. saying is what situation would right. I go with the experience over potential or the two different situations? Like I said, if it was junior, yeah, I want, I'm looking for somebody with potential. Okay. If it was, I want somebody who can do the job, I'm looking for somebody with experience. Yeah. So if we assume, because we don't know the context, so many bigger pictures, but the point that it's trying to make, let's assume this. This is for a job where you want somebody who knows what they're doing. Yet, the guy's advocating for someone with potential versus someone with experience. And if it was a common thing, but anyway, we don't know if it's a common thing. But anyway, why it matters? Because you're right. It depends on um, the strategy of the company. It depends on... The person with potential, what skills do they actually have? Mm. Are they transferable? And maybe that's why they have potential. I don't know. Um, what does the answer say? The answer says, yeah. When a more experienced candidate is passed up, passed up, and actually, I'll come back. I'll remind me to tell you a story after this. When a more experienced candidate is passed up in favor of someone with less experience, your company can miss out on valuable wisdom, talent, and skill. And in this case, the woman loses out on an opportunity that she's well suited for. Um, it says what to do. You could point out how experienced the woman is for the role and note the value of proven experience over potential. You might also take a moment to explain why it happens and why it matters. 
longer term, it's worth recommending that everyone on your team aligns ahead of time on clear objective criteria, because it would depend on the criteria for the role, right? For open roles, then use them to evaluate all job candidates. This minimizes bias by making sure that every candidate is held to the same standard. Um, and then this one says, research shows that people often hire or promote men based on their potential, but for women, potential isn't enough. Women are often held to a higher standard and need to show more evidence of their competence to get hired or promoted. So that's where the example that's comes interesting from. Because I think there's this, um, uh, I, don't, I can't remember where this research is from, but it's, it's quite commonly known actually that when women apply for jobs, they basically make sure that every box is ticked before yeah. they apply. Whereas men, even if they tick two out of the five boxes, they'll apply anyway. So mm. that just goes to show that men inherently seem to have that, this, uh, I'm generalizing here, but that, that research shows the interviewing and the applications, that research yeah. shows that. It says that women are, they need to be certain, they need to be 100% yeah. confident they can do the role and that's that eliminates potential whereas men can see that they can do a b and c but may not be able to d and e and they and they and they latch that onto potential and then apply yeah and that's how the statistics that actually marries with this is and it's like the chicken and the egg is it is it the women know that that's how yeah. they're held to a higher standard so they have to meet all the criteria that's so it. that's is it because they know it yeah. um or is it because They've got some self-esteem issue. That's it. That's so, right. you know, it's like, well, which came first? That's so, right. Yeah. So that's that's why it matters. And also, the story that you were relating it to, Tracy. Yeah, is my dad. So he was working in a job where for years, and he became very good at this job, um, and so much so that he would start to train people new like graduates and things, he starts to train them in the job, yeah? And he would constantly get overlooked for promotion to the extent where people he trained got promoted over him. And and he believed it was discrimination. And so he sued the company. Now, he didn't win. He decided to settle. So he settled and got a payout or whatever. So whether you believe he, um, it was racism or it wasn't, he thinks it was, and I'll assume it was, because he had the experience and he was so much so that he could teach other people, um, but to constantly be overlooked. And he believed it was because he was black. Um, and that was why. And that was the attitude. So, which industry was this in, Tracy? Oh, it was in like a printing industry. It was a long, okay. long time ago. Right. So, and I mean, and then, you know, my dad will tell you stories of the discrimination he faced when he um, was living in Britain in the... Was this good? Was this in the 60s and 70s that he had this experience in printing? No, no, this would be in the 80s. The 80s, 90s, right. 80s, 90s. So I'm thinking, like, how many... And, and in the printing industry, do you know, like, what sort of... Um, what we... What sort of percentage was... Not percentage, but... Um, do you know how many other minorities or people of colour were working in the printing industry in the 80s, 90s? In the general, no, it's not something I've ever researched. It's just the story he tells, he tells. Yeah. Um, and it stuck with me as well. And that's just an example. And I feel, I feel kind of like it's similar to this. I'm not saying those people that got promoted didn't have potential, but they didn't have the experience. Mm -hmm. And so how, how do you justify that? in certain situations but like you like it says here like we've said you need to agree before you, you need to agree on the criteria of what's going to be perfect and if you can do that before you even interview people you can yeah. you can already decide whether it's really good to have someone that maybe doesn't know the role so well that has potential or that whether you're really looking for someone with experience before you interview then you can rule out that kind of bias yeah, and also mm. as as an interviewer of a company, if you're or of a role, if you've got a idea about okay, yes, you know, you want someone with more potential, but you end up interviewing someone who's experienced, ask those questions at interview about and you know be transparent in terms of okay, this is what we were looking for. How do you feel about this? What could you bring to the table? You know, mm. or, or or actually say you know, oh, we were actually we we were we were initially 
thinking that this would be a role where it'd have potential for the right candidate. However, you've got quite a lot of experience. How would you cope with that? And you know, where where would you see the areas of, of opportunity and potential for you in this role? Mm, yeah, good questions, for sure. So there you go. Good com- good combo. Well done. And then yeah, you know, it made me think about when I've hired people. Um, I remember the last person I hired before I left my career mm-hmm. was someone that purely hired on experience purely and actually we had the opposite problem in that this person had more experience than was needed as in more senior there was like, like a you know like a um they're coming down yeah so but that's not as long as we're clear about what that's what's happening which we were it's to me it's their decision yeah um and which and you know which was the case I feel they were t- they were torn between opportunity and yeah but then again, you know, it's a risk because they might leave. You know, they get a better opportunity and leave. But anyway, yeah. but that also, was my decision yeah. making last time yeah. I hired someone. It sounds as though it's a, it was a case of identifying where that person's ceiling of potential was and seeing whether or not they were, what seeing hearing about whether or not you know what how were they planning to push through and smash through that ceiling of potential. Well, yeah, I mean that. Well, that that was the that was part of my job for very for like literally five minutes because I wasn't there much longer. Was okay. This person's overqualified, or got more experience than we need. Can we also offer her a a plan of a you know more advanced role in the company? You know, what else is could there be in a couple of years' time or whatever? So there was all that to consider. But yeah, that was my last experience. I haven't needed to hire anyone since but yeah good all right I'm gonna let you go because I know you have a date yes we'll see how that goes let's see if he turns up oh don't say why why would you even go with go with that thought because because I'm I'm taking myself out this is the approach I'm using I'm taking Mm. myself out and then putting out and the open invitations in like well if you're if you're available and free and you're interested in joining me then please do Oh, so he didn't say, yes, I will. So how I'm doing it is is I'm continuing on with what I normally do and then extending out saying, you know what, I'm doing this anyway. If you want to come along, it'd be great to find out more about you, an opportunity for you to learn about me. Okay. So you're like, so you're kind of, I mean, I don't know what you plan. So say like, so it's kind of like, I'm going to be here having a, doing this thing. Um, If you want to come and meet me there, that'd be great. Up to you. But did he say, yes, I'll come? Yes. So in a sense that because it turned out and I suppose um, uh, it's by coincidence that that what I'm, what I'm going to be doing this afternoon, I, I normally do anyway. And it turns out that it's very similar. It was very near to where he lives. Right. And so it's uh, so, yeah, so it, it's it's easy. It's uh, yeah. And so we'll see. So in other words, if he doesn't turn up, that's fine, because I'm st- I still would have done the activity anyway. But all um, right. Okay. Um, then we'll see what happens All but right. I'll keep you posted I'll let you know how it goes in our next episode oh I'll let, I want to know before that I can't wait that long <laughs> yeah. oh, I can't wait that long alright then bye uh, hun. have a good time bye bye, bye. thank you so much for tuning in we hope you have as much fun with us today as we did If what you heard resonated with you, don't forget to show the love and like our YouTube channel, All One with Tracy G. Give us a five-star rating on whichever podcast platform is lucky enough to have this episode because they rock too. Feel free to email us stories or questions at alloneinclusive at gmail.com and sign up for my newsletter if updating yourself about everything which goes down Sounds like something right up your alley at tracygandu.com. Until the next time, see ya.